Exclusive interviews with the guys on the field. High point, obviously. Yeah, whenever you've been on a team that's won a Super Bowl. The best of the best around the league, and just to be around those guys and see what it's like to be an elite player, man, it was definitely eye-opening. Greg Matzek goes one-on-one with your favorite Packer players. And welcome to another season of Packers One-on-One. I'm Greg Matzik, and on six occasions throughout the course of the regular season, we will dive in deep with a member of the Green Bay Packers. It's Packers safety HaHa Clinton Dix, my exclusive interview with HaHa. Over the next half hour and the second half hour of the program, we'll catch up with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee. HaHa came to the Packers at a time when the safety position was really in dire straits. It was Morgan Burnett and a lot of question marks. Enter HaHa as the 21st pick of the draft four years ago, and Packers found themselves a Pro Bowl safety. Do you have any government-issued documents that say HaHa on them? Um, I know. Um, I really don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I can think off the top of my head, no, but a lot of my paperwork, a lot of my mail... It all comes in as haha. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of my mail does come in as haha. But your driver's license? And my driver's license says Hasim. Uh, everything else says Hasim, but some of my stuff does have haha on it. It does. I can't say that, yeah. So is there ever going to be a, a, a takeover where you go to the whatever government offices and say, look, can we, can we just change it officially? Uh, not really. I mean, I get recognized a lot by haha. Uh, when I introduce myself to people, I usually do introduce myself to haha, unless I don't feel like explaining myself or, <laughs> or really just trying to, you know, draw attention to myself. But most of the time, I just go by haha. I want to go back to Florida a little bit. Um, when did you know that football was going to be something you could really, really do? I mean, you did a little bit of everything in high school. Well, as a kid, uh, you know, I grew up with two sisters, a uh, single parent mom, and uh, you know, my mom just wanted to put me in sports to make sure that I didn't. Uh, become too girly girly or she just wanted to make sure that she was raising a man you know so um, she put me in all different type of sports um, from basketball to track to flag football so um, at a young age man I've been playing flag football since I was about seven eight years old where it started at and uh, it transitioned over into to to tackle football. Did you have a a father figure in in your life that that kind of helped you through those times too? Oh yeah most definitely Uh, I had my grandfather uh, who was definitely my father figure to me Uh, I love love him to death Uh, you know he's taught me so many personal things about just uh, you know just being a man and uh, you know uh, your word is your bond and uh, you know just just sticking to that. According to Rivals you were the seventh ranked high school football player in the country in 2011. Do you know who was number one? Um, I would say Clowney. You're right. Would you say, yeah. So, but but he was, w- w- I mean, was he known as a beast? I mean, y'all didn't play against each other, right? I mean, there's these national rankings. I always wonder if people know who the other guy is. Oh, yeah, you definitely know. Uh, you know, being a guy coming out of Florida, uh, you always pay attention to stuff like that and, you know, who's the top-ranked players coming out in your class. And, uh, you know, I've always heard his name, went to a big school, and, uh, you know, he played on national television a few times. So uh, I-, I knew who that guy was. Did you grow up a Gators fan or a Seminoles fan? My whole entire family is, uh, you know, Gator Nation. My grandfather's a Gator Nation, uh, a Gator fan. Uh, you know, he was a little upset when I committed to Alabama because, <laughs> he, you know, he was unaware of it. I was going to say that it begs the obvious question, right? So how do you get out of the state of Florida so talent-rich with football and end up in Alabama? Easy. Uh, I mean, it was Nick Saban. Um, you know, the program was on fire at the time. Uh, 2010, they had just won the championship. Uh they're fighting for the one previously uh, year before then. So, um, man, it wasn't much to say. When Nick Saban came down to uh, to Orlando, came and got me out of Spanish class, and uh, you know, uh, had a few words with me. Man, I was I was bought in. 
Well, it, all right, so middle of, of the school day, mm-hmm. Nick Saban comes to school. Did you know he was coming to school that day? I had I had no clue. I just knew it was supposed to be a special guest coming in uh, that day during class. And uh, once I realized it was him, man, I was I was stroked, man. I was shocked. Um, so who comes to get you? Like, does the does the principal, does the football coach come so, in and just tap you on the shoulder? Yeah, my deepest coordinator. He's actually a um, assistant principal at Dr. Phillips High School as well. So uh, he came and grabbed me out of class for a few minutes, and uh, I got to chop it up with Nick Saban. And <laughs> man, it was it was like a dream come true. You know, you you go from seeing a guy on TV every week, and uh, you know, on a on a team that's that's really unstoppable and you know he's here in your in your school you know wanting you to come play for him so man i was just living in the moment at the time man and i can still remember this to this day i was so glad he came and got me out of spanish class because i had didn't have a clue of what was going on in there did he did he offer you a scholarship on the spot <clears throat> he had already offered me a scholarship um you know being that i was a florida kid and my first offer i never forget was from colorado state and uh you know my grandfather still wants me to write a letter to colorado state just thanking them uh for even offering me a scholarship and, uh, you know, after I got that first scholarship from Colorado State, man, just letters just started flowing in. That's pretty amazing stuff. But no, did any other coach come and, and kind of give you the saving treatment? Yeah. Uh, you know, I had Urban Myers come down. Uh, that's when he was at Florida. Uh, he came down and spoke spoke with, with me and uh, a former teammate, D. Hart. Um, it was a couple college college coaches that came through, but it wasn't the ones like the Nick Saban and the Urban Myers and uh, the guys that you just knew as soon as you seen them. So, you end up getting drafted by the Packers, um, twenty-one overall. Do you, uh, I've got right in front of me? I have what some scouts said when you were drafted, number twenty-one overall. Would you like me to read some of these? Please read them out. Number one, wouldn't take him in the first round. Nothing he does really well. Another guy, he scares me. Another guy, I love him, but he misses tackles. Another guy plays fast. I love him. Another scout, good across the board, great range, does everything right. Man, people are clowns, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, man. Some of these people, they really don't understand the game of football or really understand what's going on out there on the field. But um, uh, it's it's hard, man, when you're, you're judging from the sideline and you really don't know what's going on. Well, and I, I get the feeling in a lot of athletes, I mean, it's, it's a tight fraternity, right? Um, the people who play this game, they're bonded forever. Um, whether they're playing or not, you guys know how difficult it is. And I, I don't know how many scouts laced it up and put it on the field, right? But but we consume it as as, as media fans. We all consume it and think, okay, that's the book on this guy. And then it's up to the player to prove it otherwise. When I think really the player knows deep inside what he's really made of. Exactly, and that's that's what I think it goes back to is yeah, a lot of scouts really don't know the game of. Of, of football, I would say, uh, behind the scenes or calls, coverages, or what it takes to to actually make a play happen and be uh, successful at that. So, um, man, my whole life I've always, uh, you know, heard things like that about me. Uh, even when I came into this league as a rookie, when I led the league and missed tackles, but I also had 119 as a rookie. So, um, man, I've, I've always been the guy that, that wanted to prove myself and, uh, you know, and, and, and continue pushing forward. Well, and now you can sign your name, haha, Clinton Dix, Pro Bowler. What did that mean to you last year? Man, it meant a lot to me. Um, you know, just to to conquer that goal and uh, you know continue to succeed at a high level. Uh, you know, it was tr- it was a blessing, man, just to be down there in Orlando, in my hometown, 
um, with a lot of great fans, a lot of the, the best of the best around the league, and just to be around those guys and see what it's like to be an elite player, man, it was definitely eye-opening and, and definitely a place I want to get back to, if not the Super Bowl. Coming up next. Um, it's actually a writing class, so uh, I just have a few papers to write, and it's, 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 it's easy for me. Ha-ha goes back to school. It's after this on Packers One-on-One. Now, more of Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back to the program. Greg Matzik with you on 620 WTMJ. Continuing our conversation with Packers safety, HaHa Clinton Dix, who went to school at Alabama, and now that he's a member of the Green Bay Packers, is going back to school in order to get his degree. And you got a pretty full plate right now. You're playing an NFL season. You are working on getting your degree from Alabama. How many credits shy are you I'm right now? I'm six credits shy right now, and I'm actually taking a, taking a class right now, but it's... It's it's going to be easy. It's no problem. Okay, okay, so so you're not cramming for exams on road trips? No, no, I'm not cramming. For, I'm not. No, I'm strictly focused on ball. But uh, I am knocking out a class right now as we speak. So uh, that's that's going pretty good. Um, it's actually a writing class. So uh, I just have a few papers to write, and it's 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 easy for me. So criminal justice is the degree. Yes. Right. So why? What led you to that path? Well, to be honest, uh, as a kid growing up, man, I used to like Chuck Norris. I was always a Chuck Norris fan. Uh, I've always wanted to be a hero. I always wanted to save the day and, and, and save lives. So I always thought that I wanted to be a, a police officer or, or work in the field some way, somehow. Uh, I have aunts that work in the field as Orlando Sheriff officers. Um, I have friends who are, are now police officers. And uh, so when I, went, when I went to school, I wanted to do something that would challenge me. Um, something that I could use uh, and not just say I have a degree just to have it. So I just wanted to challenge myself, and I chose criminal justice. And with everything falling in line with things that's going on in today's society, um, I feel like I picked a great degree, and uh, you know I'm learning a lot. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, there's a lot of publicity over over folks who are deciding to take a knee, put their arm up in the air. Martellus Bennett even puts his hand in the air. Crazy incident with his brother in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and you can identify with that, right? I mean, when when your teammate's passionate about something, whoever it is, you want to have his back. But I don't feel there's been enough publicity for things that you have done, and you know, over the course of time, and you, I think a great example is against the Redskins. You know, played in Washington, nation's capital. Some officers had passed away in the line of duty. You honored them by putting their names on your shoes. That didn't get the run that it deserved. It deserves to have some run. So what led you to that? Well, honestly, uh, we lost two officers last year uh, in Orlando. Um, Big Norm and, um, gosh, I can't think of her name right now, but we lost two officers in Orlando due to an incident with a, a killing that, that happened in Orlando. So I recognized those, those two of my colleagues during the playoff game in the Cowboys, for the Cowboys. And uh, I wasn't doing it to draw attention. I wasn't doing it to, to start commotion or to get a pat on the back I was doing it just to show my grief to those families that I've, I've known my entire life down in Orlando so um, you know once it happened again down in Kissimmee that's really close to Orlando I decided to add two more names to, to my cliques not knowing again that uh, you know it would draw so much media attention or it would be a, a big deal but uh, for, for just giving such a great gesture to those people who, who put their lives on the line for us as a community and uh, you know, once I got the feedback, uh, I mean, it just it just blew it just blew up, and uh, you know, so many people have been uh, reaching out to me, writing me letters, uh, you know, saying how much they appreciate me and they have my back, you know, not just on football but outside of football, and that that was really touching to me, and it, and, it, and it really struck home. So, um, you know, I, I always try to, to to make sure that I, I set a great example, and you know, I'm trying to bring us closer. You know, um, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, a lot of things going on in the community. 
and uh, you know, you know, black people are are, are dying and things are happening uh, that can be controlled or done a different way. And uh, you know, people are starting to make uh, the police like it's another race. Like we we started a race against police officers, and that's I don't think that's the way to go. So I'm just trying to enlighten it, uh, you know, and show people that, you know, police officers are not the bad ones. Um, yes, they all don't make the right decisions at times, but at the end of the day, they have to go home, too, uh, to their families as well. Um, they have a lot that they're dealing with as well. So um, I'm just trying to, to enlighten that and, uh, you know, bring us closer together. And that's kind of the backbone for your foundation, right, to honor everyday heroes in our society. Yes, that's, that's the most important thing uh, is, is the heroes we have in today's society. Yes, I'm a football player, but, you know, it's more to life than just being a football player. You know, you have um, your janitors, your school teachers, your doctors, your lawyers, uh, your mechanics. You have uh, your engineers. You have people that make this world go around who are also very important that I don't think kids really see on a day-to-day basis. You know, as a kid growing up, all you think about is being a, a athlete, you know, a rapper, which I don't think is wrong. I don't think it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it at all. But I also, I also want these kids to know that, you know, there are more heroes than just your typical athlete. You know, there's, um, you know, you have your, your artists, uh, like Marty, uh, for instance. He has his foundation as well. Uh, that, that That's about imagination. It's about kids. And I think, um, you know, our kids are our generation. Though. They're, they're, they're the ones that's coming up who's going to be able to, to control and run this world. So I just want to make sure that I'm giving back, uh, you know, each way possible. And, uh, you know, showing these kids that, that there's a lot of hope out here besides uh, being a professional athlete. Well, and again, a cool opportunity to celebrate all that. October 9th uh, in Sheboygan. I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a cool title, Haha's Hero Celebrity Night. So here's a chance for a lot of people to get together and, and kind of honor the everyday heroes in our society. Exactly. Uh, you know, we're just trying to bring all the all the heroes together in the community. Uh, you know, come out and, and enjoy a great time with my teammates. Um, I think it's going to be a, a great time October 9th. Uh, I believe that's a Monday. Um, and I, I look forward to it. Coming up next, haha, the intern. First place where I always got introduced as Hasim. I was never introduced as haha. I was never introduced as Clinton Dix. It was always Hasim Clinton Dix. After this on Packers One on One. You're listening to Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. Welcome back to the program. Greg Matzik with you with Packers One-on-One. But back to Haha Clinton Dix. Packers Pro Bowl safety spent a lot of time in Green Bay during the summer. Not necessarily training, at least that wasn't all of it. Yes, Haha was an intern. Go back a little bit to this summer. So did you spend your summer in Green Bay, your full summer? Yes, I spent my summer here in, in, in Green Bay. Now, you you were working a little bit alongside of training? Yeah, I was working and training at the same time. I was working uh, down in uh, at the Brown County Courthouse, the judicial system, um, with Judge Zymolder. Uh I got to spend 90 hours with him. Ninety hard hours with that <laughs> motor. Uh, showing up, shirt and tie, shirt, pack of lunch. Showing up, and, and, and that was the first place where I always got introduced as Hasim. I was never introduced as Haha. I was never introduced as Clinton Dix. It was always Hasim Clinton Dix, and Judge Zymoda made that um, you know first and foremost that I would be represented and in, and in, in, in introduced as Hasim because uh, this is a business and this is a, a a work style outside of football. So he wanted to make sure that I was uh, on time, I was dressed properly, and uh, you know I went by my, my government name, and, and I respected him for that, and I had such a great time, and I learned so much there in my 90 hours. So what did you do? I actually got to sit with him uh, on juvenile court cases, so I watched a lot of kids come in and out who uh, you know, came from certain backgrounds where they, they needed attention or needed somewhere to go or 
you know, just fell in the wrong hole and, uh, you know, made mistakes. Um, I got also got a chance to sit in, in all these different treatment courts. Like uh, they have a, a drug court. They have a heroin court. They have a, uh, um, a mental health court, which I think is very important here in, in Green Bay. Uh, you know, people don't really tend to, to see how important mental health is. And it definitely is a, 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 a something that needs to be um you know, paid attention to more. And, uh, you know, just to see these judges from these different uh, circuit rooms um, run these treatment courts, man, it's amazing because a lot of people, they make mistakes, but they don't belong in jail, you know. So you give them these second chances and you can rate these these different uh, treatment courts uh, for, to give them a second chance uh, besides jail. And to see these people come in and each and every week and, and, and want to do better and, and want to succeed and want to get off the, the drugs or the alcohol or whatever it is they're facing uh, that's giving them problems, it's, it's definitely eye-opening. And I think that's that's definitely been a change going on in, in Green Bay. An unpaid internship. An unpaid internship. But and, you, that's part of getting your degree, right? Yeah, it was part of getting my degree, so it wasn't really unpaid. Um, I learned so much. I think I've learned more there in my 90 hours than I probably learned in school, uh, just being hands-on, uh, you know, being able to go out with the SWAT team and the drug task force and, and watch them crack down on heroin here in Green Bay, which is also a problem people are dying from left and right. Um, I, I think that's definitely big, and I, and I love that. I love that a lot. Well, it's a lot of fun to watch you on the field. Haha, <laughs> it's uh, it's really cool to watch what you're doing off the field as well. So, appreciate you taking the time. Go Pack Go and Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Go Pack Go. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. That's a conversation with Packers safety HaHa ha Clinton Dix. Coming up next week on Tuesday from 6 to 7 o'clock, my conversation with Packers offensive lineman Lane Taylor. Coming up next, right after 6.30, we'll check in with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. We'll recap weeks 1 through 4 for the Packers here in the NFL season. We'll also look ahead to what the Packers have coming up in weeks 4 through 8, the second quarter of the NFL season, and a lot of surprises here through four weeks. The conversation continues with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, after this on WTMJ. This is Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back to Packers One-on-One. Greg Matzik with you on 620 WTMJ. If you just missed it, our conversation with Packers safety HaHa Clinton Dix, make sure to check it out online at WTMJ. Dot com And joining us for the final half hour of the program, it is the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee. Hey, Wayne. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing well. So I, it was great talking with HaHa Clinton Dix. And I remember doing a draft show with you and Jeff Falconio several years ago, and we were kind of curious to see what direction the Packers were going to go with their pick, number 21 overall in that first round. They ended up taking HaHa Clinton Dix, and it's been kind of fun watching him develop from a rookie season that had a lot of ups and downs to last year becoming a pro bowler. You know, he really has matured into the um, leader in that secondary. He and obviously Morgan Burnett, but um, HaHa with his uh, ability to cover so much territory in center field has allowed the Packers to put in this nitro defense. He's a big reason for it and a big reason why Morgan Burnett was able to go to the second level next uh, last year and start making some plays from there. So, um, the guy has a major impact on the Packers' defense, and he is a, a budding star. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Isn't it kind of funny how things change so quickly? I mean, a few years ago, prior to HaHa being drafted, that safety position was, was really kind of a mess. I mean, it was Morgan Burnett and a lot of question marks after that. And here we go now, and just at the game against the Bears uh, last week Thursday, they announced four safeties as starters. So, I mean, things have really changed here in a hurry. Yeah, you know, safety's become a more priority position in the last two years in the NFL. And 
Uh, we saw it start a few years ago with Dayon Buchanan um, for Arizona, or uh, stepping up to that second level as a safety, and and uh, the Rams doing it with um, uh, with uh, I can't think of the guy's name, Mark uh, Barron. Mark Barron now came in from the safety spot, started playing linebacker, and these teams added speed to that second level, which I think uh, they have to have for the kind of offenses they're facing. These spread offenses and Seems not just spreading the field with receivers, but also running out of those spread formations. And you need somebody to cover the gaps that are naturally in your defense because of the receivers out there. It figures still to be a lengthy injury report. Of all the guys, from Mike Daniels to Bakhtiari to Balaga, Devon House and Devontae Adams and on down the line, who is maybe at the top of that list of who the Packers might need to see back on the field sooner than later? I think they need to see David Bakhtiari back on the field to stabilize that offensive line a little bit. I know they got away with four guards and a center against the uh, Bears, and I thought they did a nice job with that. Lane Taylor is a, a very, very solid player wherever you play him a guard or, or if he plays tackle for the first time, and he steps out a left tackle and plays there. And you know, But they really need their offensive line back together. Bakhtiari, certainly uh, Bulaga, but Bakhtiari playing the hot corner, that would be the guy I would think of. Mike Daniels a close second because... Uh, he's so important to what they do up front defensively. And I, I think one of the reasons why they're struggling a little bit with the run is not just the nitro defense, but the fact they don't have Mike Daniels up front playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage and disrupting uh, the ground game. So I think those are the players right there. Now, it's, you know, I, I don't want to say Devontae Adams is not important. He certainly is. But the Packers have wide receivers. They have plenty of those. And Geronimo Adelson can step in and, and play that role pretty well. So, I think those linemen, the interior line, is where the Packers are uh, kind of losing the battle in the trenches on occasion, and that's making it very tough to win. Well, Wayne, when you look at the offense here, because of all the shifting and maneuvering that has gone on with the offensive line, do you think that is part of why maybe Martellus Bennett's numbers aren't as standout as maybe we thought they would be? I know there have been some drops here, but clearly he has been forced to stay inside maybe a little bit more than often. Well, I think that's a great point, and I think it's the number one reason why he hasn't really broken through. He's not able to play the position the way he did at New England last year. Uh, he's had to stay in and block, as you mentioned, or at least chip on a pass play and chip on a linebacker or a defensive end before he gets out into his pattern. Thus, he's getting out a little bit later than he normally would be. So, um, you know, he, he's then down on the totem pole as, as Rodgers goes through his read. So I think that's a major part of it, but if they can get their tackles back on the, the offensive line and, and would go from there, I think that that would really change things and allow the Packers to start doing some of what they were hoping to do when the season began. You mentioned Devontae Adams, Wayne, and I don't know when he is going to see the field. I'm, I'm just happy he's out of the hospital, to be, to, to be quite candid. Uh, the NFL ruled over the weekend that Danny Trevathan of the Bears, who applied that hit to Adams, would be suspended. Does that seem appropriate to you? Uh, you know, if it was really being fair... Uh, Danny Trevathan should be out as long as, you know, Devontae Adams is out. That's my opinion. And so if Devontae's out four, five, six weeks, then Trevathan should be out four, five, six weeks without pay. Um, that would get the attention of a lot of guys lowering their helmet on these hits uh, with guys being held up and, and the uh, defender taking, a you know, a dead aim on, on the target. Well, you know, there's a lot of rea reaction on Twitter, of course, after that hit was laid out and said, why is he still playing? Why is he still in the game? The official after the game said he didn't have enough information in real time to warrant ejecting the player. Now, I know in college, they go back and review the tape. They look at it. Is this coming, or should this be the next level to how the NFL is officiated? Hits like that, should they be reviewed 
for a player being ejected or not, for that call to be made. Yeah, and I think it should be reviewed by the people in New York. It's not something you want to wait for your officials on the field to call because I agree with the official. The bang-bang play like that probably didn't have enough information. You're right. It, it didn't look the same um, as it did on replay, whereas, you know, the people in New York who are looking at everything anyway, uh, they could take a look at that and, you know, basically call into the uh, referee and say, hey, we're going we're to take a look at this and we're going to think about, you know, see if you want to throw this player out based on the review of the tape. So uh, it could happen. I mean, and certainly it could happen that way, uh, the way the college game is doing it. And maybe that's something that has to be done as well because they've really got to clean that kind of stuff up. Coming up next, we will dive into quarter number two of the season with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. It's right after this on Packers One-on-One. This is Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back to Packers One-on-One. Greg Matzik joined by the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. Green Bay 3-1 and after the quarter poll of the season. They head into the second quarter of the season with a rather difficult stretch here. It starts with a road contest against the Dallas Cowboys. Then it's on to Minneapolis, Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Home games against the Saints and Lions round out the second quarter of the season. And uh, we know it's a week-to-week league sort of uh, thing, Wayne. So anytime I look at the schedule, uh, I'm always a little bit hesitant to say that's a win, that's a loss. But starts with the Cowboys. Yeah, it does. And, that you know, Dallas certainly will be stoked for the rematch of that divisional playoff game, a legendary game now, the won by the Packers. And, you know, I, I think Green Bay's a little bit better if they're healthier. If they get Mike Daniels back, they get their offensive tackles back, Green Bay is healthier for this ball game than they were going into the game last year. But nonetheless, uh, Dallas is in a position now off that loss to the Rams at home. Uh, they've got to come up with a big win, and I know they'll be focused and, and ready to go. So this is going to be a tough game. Then you go to Minnesota. That's always a, a difficult football game. At home to New Orleans, then you get a bye week. And then, you know, I, I don't know what to make of the Saints. I really don't know what to make of the NFL four weeks into the mission. Nothing uh, makes sense to me, but uh, the Saints certainly don't. They won their last two in a row and shut out the Dolphins in London. So I don't know what to expect from them, but that game will be at Lambeau Field. But these two road games, Dallas and Minnesota, could be tough. And then that uh, after the bye week, getting the Lions, um, you know, that's the Lions look to me to be the best team right now in the NFC North. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of the Dallas Cowboys here either. I, I know a lot is made of Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott and Boy, they got a good offensive line that can run the ball and the threat to pass and a quarterback who can move around a little bit. I don't think their defensive line gets enough credit here, Wayne. And and, and I know they gave up a lot of points to the Rams uh, over the weekend and uh, even to the Broncos in a loss in Week 2. There is some talent on defense, but it seems like Sean Lee, their inside linebacker, when he is missing, that just takes away a significant dimension to their defense. It really does. I mean, there's no question about it. They missed him against the Rams. Todd Gurley went off big time. The Cowboys did a pretty good job of contained defense in that game. I mean, they forced uh, Greg Zerline to connect on seven field goals. So, But by the same token, you could tell uh, they were wearing down in the second half. Uh, they had a big first half. They were in control of that ball game, leading by 11. And then the Rams just kind of overtook them uh, in the second half of play. Uh, I think Sean Lee's a huge key to this team. He's a weak side linebacker. They were missing three starters on defense, including Nolan Carroll, the cornerback, Anthony Hitchens, the uh, middle linebacker. So they weren't whole for that ball game, and they expect to get those guys or at least a few of them back uh, for the game coming up this weekend. Um, this is a big game for both Dallas and Green Bay. Well, you're looking at how that playoff game mapped out last year. You know, the Packers were 
a little bit more established in their Ty Montgomery experiment. He had kind of taken over as the guy. I don't know what the prognosis is for Montgomery. I'm hearing that his rib injury is not as significant as maybe initially thought, but you have to wonder if he's going to be able to go or if you're going to have to start a rookie, and maybe it's Aaron Jones on Sunday. Yeah, you might have to. I I don't know the uh, status of uh, Jamal Williams with his knee problem, Um, but certainly that's uh, the thing that we saw with Aaron Jones is I think he can provide a nice dimension, but he's not a running game, and so maybe in tandem with Montgomery, he provides a nice uh, dimension. But hopefully Ty Montgomery will be out there because he can do so many different things. And, again, the line has been uh, in a state of flux all season. Remember, been together for one single snap this season. So um, I think that's had an impact on the ground game, on Ty Montgomery's ability to create on the ground. But where he's really dangerous is what he does for you in the passing game. And, you know, so, again, you have to understand the West Coast offense, folks. A lot of times, a short pass to the running back out of the backfield replaces a run, especially on first or second down. And that's what Ty Montgomery gives you. Aaron Jones gives you that quickness, that dimension. We saw him win a race to the corner against the Bears and make the turn. So I think he's an exciting young player. Uh, but right now, they need Ty Montgomery to kind of stabilize things. Well, and from, from what I can tell, Wayne, you know, all these guys can catch out of the backfield, but... They don't use Aaron Jones, or they didn't anyway, and they, they haven't used Jamal Williams as a as a motion guy out of the backfield who all of a sudden then lines up as a wide receiver, and that seems to be what Ty Montgomery can do. And, and that's got to be a tremendous benefit to Aaron Rodgers, right, to see how that defense is going to react. Yeah, definitely. Um, how are they going to cover Ty Montgomery out there? And that will generally tell you whether they're in zone or man-to-man. So uh, that's a big key. And the other thing, though, of course, with the pass protection issues, the Packers have had to keep their running backs in a little bit more than maybe they'd like to uh, to block or at least, again, to chip on a blitzing linebacker or safety. So um, we haven't seen this offense yet, Greg. Uh, fortunately, they're 3-1. and one. Um, I think they're fortunate to have played three games in Lambeau Field. Boys of the Packers, Wayne Larravee joining us here on Packers One-on-One. In our next segment, we'll talk a little bit about the NFC North and some surprises in the NFL here through four weeks. Packers will take on the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. And uh, as Wayne mentioned, uh, they're going to take on the Minnesota Vikings a week after that. Vikings with some bad news here, Wayne, as uh, we kind of preview our talk about the NFC North here. Losing their quarterback earlier in the season for an undetermined amount of time in Sam Bradford. And now Dalvin Cook, a rather electrifying rookie running back, done for the year. They still have a good defense there, but, boy, that offense has taken a hit. Yeah, that's a big hit. I know they have Latavius Murray there who could step in. He's a better but uh, not the dimension that uh, Dalvin Cook was providing for the Vikings and getting better and better every week. That's a huge uh, break, uh, you know, against the Vikings. There's no doubt about that. But um, I know they're a pretty tough football team. I think they were reeling a little bit against the Lions in that ball game on Sunday. But nonetheless, uh, there's still a defense to be reckoned with. And, and you know they're going to get Bradford back soon. And when they do, I think that'll um, pick them up a little bit offensively. And then after that, you got the Saints. Uh, that'll be a home game here. And I'm kind of with you, Wayne. I have no idea what to make about the Saints. They couldn't stop anybody for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, they've been able to stop everybody the last couple of weeks. I, I always think offense and no defense here with the Saints. But after four weeks, I- I'm not sure if that's the case. Yeah, I-, I agree with you. You know, we thought coming into the season their defense would be a lot better. And the first couple of weeks, it didn't look like it. And, but now, as you mentioned, the last couple of weeks, they've looked very good defensively. And if they're going to be good defensively, they're going to be a load to handle because you know offensively, regardless of what they do on defense, they're going to be good on offense. And 
So that's a team to kind of keep an eye on in the NFC South. Coming up next, we'll finish our tour around the NFC North and talk about some of the surprises in the NFL through four weeks. More after this with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, on Packers One-on-One. This is Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back to the program. Greg Matzik with you on 620 WTMJ, joined by the voice of the Green Bay Packers. It's Wayne Larravee, Packers One-on-One continues as we were talking about the Packers second quarter of the season the one team we left out of that discussion was the team they face here in the fourth game of this next four game stretch and that's the Detroit Lions at home November the 6th after the bye week Wayne it'll be a night game and the Lions off to a nice start here three and one but I I feel like I've seen this movie before right Detroit starts hot and then they somehow fade in the in the middle and something weird happens and then they don't make the playoffs Two things I like about them, uh, they're running the football uh, with Abdullah this year and running it effectively. And, you know, Stafford didn't have that good a game Sunday, and yet Detroit was able to get a win because they're running the football. They're a much more balanced team offensively. And the other thing is they're a little better than I thought they'd be defensively. I know they did some work on the offensive line and free agency, but defensively uh, they seem to have also made some shrewd picks in free agency and added some good people that, uh, are now elevating that part of the team. And if they can be a good defense, Stafford's going to get his yards. He's going to throw the football and throw it well. So this is a team maybe now, as you look a month into the season, maybe they're the team that emerges to challenge Green Bay for first place in the NFC North. You know, what do you make of the Bears here, Wayne? They're going to move on to rookie Mitch Trubisky after Mike Glennon's awful start to the season. He was terrible, turning the ball over four times, and that lost to Green Bay. Extended break here after the Thursday night game. It'll be a Monday night contest that uh, Mitch gets his first opportunity against Minnesota. Not an easy team to go against with that defense, but it seems like it's time here in Chicago to see the rookie. Yeah, you know, you knew it was going to happen, Greg. It was a matter of you just knew the the offense in Chicago was going to sputter. It was a matter of would it be week three? Would it be week four? Would it be week five? Whoever had week five, you won the lottery. Um, you know, you knew the kid was going to play. And, and they were going to hustle him on there, especially the way he played in the preseason. And I understand preseason is, you know, it's not a real game, and so you can't put a whole lot of uh, trust in that. But he did look good in preseason. He has looked good in practice, from what I understand. And, and uh, yeah, it's time to give him a shot and uh, see what he can do. Now, they've got some tools in place there. The problem is they don't have wide receivers that are very distinguishable. You know what I mean? They're, they lost their top two receivers. Uh, within the first week of the season, and Kevin White went down. And of course, prior to that, in the preseason, uh, they lost uh, their other number one receiver from last year, McCray. So you know you're looking at a team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent at receiver, and and uh, that's going to be a handicap for uh, the quarterback. But they have a running game, and they have two excellent running backs. And you know, Mitch Trubisky, uh, if he can uh, elevate those receivers a little bit with his game. Uh, maybe the Bears have something that will be a little better offensively. So as I look at the standings today, Wayne, as I look at the standings today, I see the Los Angeles Rams on top of the division. I see the Carolina Panthers on top of the division, the Buffalo Bills, the Jacksonville freaking Jaguars atop the division. Welcome to the NFL, right? From year to year, you have no idea what's going to happen. What's the biggest surprise here in the league through four weeks? Uh, New England. (laughs) Yeah. was talking about New England maybe going undefeated. They were better than they were last year. Wow, they haven't been nearly as good. I mean, they have been awful, and they've been awful at home. And defensively, what happened to that unit? Um, you know, Matt Patricia was the next genius in pro football, and right now you got to wonder, 
But, uh, you know, they'll find a way, and they play in a weak division, and, and we'll see how it goes from here. But that's a big surprise. They've lost two home games, too, Greg. I don't think they've lost two home games since the Revolutionary War. Right. So, you know, this is <laughs> this is amazing. But at any rate, that's a big surprise. I'm very surprised. Um, you knew they were going to be solid defensively. And, by the way, they gave a great day. They handled them at times uh, in that ball game. And I thought even in the first half gave the Dallas Lions some trouble. So, you know, that's a, that's a defensive line to be reckoned with front seven in, for the Rams. But offensively, the quarterback has played very well. They've made some great choices in, in upgrading the wide receiver position. And, and I think um, this is a team maybe that uh, has some staying power. We'll see. It's been a wild start to the season already through four weeks and uh, lots of storylines, as you might imagine, in the NFL. Wayne, I do appreciate your time very much. We'll look forward to doing this again next week. All right. Thanks very much, Greg. And that wraps up our first installment of Packers One-on-One. We'll do this five more times throughout the season. In fact, once next week, a couple in November and a couple in December. Hope you enjoyed it. Sports Central begins after the news, which is next on WTMJ.